Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, what's with all these one-year deals for the Bucks and free agency, and could it actually pay off in the NFL draft in 2020? We'll tell you why. And Ryan Fitzmagic, well, he's fits perfect in Miami because they might be tanking. You just don't know. Uh, we got the Lightning had a huge win over the Capitals on Saturday. I was there. Steve was there. What did we learn? And it's March Madness. The brackets are set. The Big Ten, well, they're not getting much respect. We got Roy McIlroy winning the Players' Championship in uh, Jacksonville and no Tiger at Valspar. All that and why the Rays blew it with Blake Snell on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Merstink. Hey, if you have a business and you'd like to sponsor a portion of this podcast, we got lots of new ways you can do that. Our advertisers have shown great success, and you will too. So here's what you do. Contact me on Twitter at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me at NFL Stroud on Twitter, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Like most of our sponsors, uh, they've stuck with us. They've shown great success. And again, we'd love to have you be part of our team. All right, Steve. So a steady drip, drip, drip of free agents over the weekend. And uh, these guys just continue to come in. We've uh, talked about several of them before last week on the podcast. And what we're seeing now is a lot of these one-year deals. And let's just catch you up to date of what the Bucks have done since we last met. Uh, they signed Shaq Barrett, an outside linebacker from the Denver Broncos, uh, to one of those famous one-year deals. He's a guy that has had 15 career sacks, somebody that can uh, come off the edge in a situational pass rusher type deal. He might compete for a starting job. Very similar maybe to Noah Spence in that, that respect. Those two guys will be vying for uh, that stand-up outside linebacker spot as they go to the 3-4 defense. Of course, we had a chance to uh, to meet D1 uh, Buchanan from the Cardinals. He was in on Friday. His plane uh, got in later than the other guys. And so we talked to him about you know playing in this 3-4 defense, uh, what he would bring to the team. And again, another one-year deal, uh, this one for about $4 million. Rashad Perriman we talked to last Thursday. And uh, you know he's a, a, kind of an interesting player that uh, – NFL focus, some of those guys rated pretty high as far as free agent signings goes. He was with the Ravens. He was a first-round pick. He had a ton of injuries and, you know, partially torn ACL, a PCL, picked up by the Redskins, released by them. Finished strong last year, though, with Cleveland. He's a speed guy and somebody that, uh, you know, Brett Perriman's son, somebody that might actually uh, provide uh, someone to stretch the field now that Deshaun Jackson isn't here. He signed a one-year deal. And, of course, uh, Earl Watford, uh, a offensive guard from the Cardinals that had been uh, kind of bounced around between the Jaguars, the Cardinals again, the Bears and the Browns last year. He's coming in as a uh, sort of a guy to compete for that right guard spot. Another one-year deal. So what is it with all these one-year deals? Uh, here's what it comes down to. A couple things. One, they don't have a lot of money. So they're doing you know short-term deals with not a lot of guaranteed money, three, four, five million dollars, whatever it is. Uh, that's first and foremost. Uh, these are not your marquee free agents. These are not your first-day guys, right? So that's where all the big money went to with lots of guarantees. 
uh, this is sort of a secondary market. You can pick up a lot of good players, some that will compete for starting jobs, some that will just be depth and, and experience for you in key roles that they need. Uh, but the biggest thing is this. Uh, you know, the, the NFL has a compensatory system where they award 32 draft picks each year. They've been doing this since 1994 when they started it. And what it amounts to is if you lose a free agent that's a big salaried guy, let's say Adam, let's say uh, Quan Alexander signs you know, uh, a huge deal uh, out with the San Francisco 49ers, four years, $54 million, or, or Adam Humphreys, who you know, was four years, $36 million with the Tennessee Titans. Those two guys, um, if they're not replaced by similar big money free agents – can can net you a compensatory pick. And it's arbitrary. The NFL kind of looks at what players you bring in versus which ones you lose. And the idea, like a lot of things in the NFL, is to sort of even the playing field. So, uh, you know, the fact that the Bucks lost Quan Alexander, lost Adam Humphreys, who are big signings, they didn't really get anybody back um, that's, that has a huge salary. I mean, I think uh, right now the punter Bradley Pinion is, uh, is probably the biggest one. He signed a four-year deal. Uh, for about two and a half million dollars a year thereabouts, so you would need other free agents to sort of help offset that. Um, but right now, they stand a pretty good chance of getting a third or a fourth round pick, because last year a guy that signed for ten million dollars got a third round. A team that you know lost a guy for eight million dollars or thereabouts got a fourth rounder. So um, what's going to help them, and they may have been helped a little bit. Um, just this Sunday when Ryan Fitzpatrick signed a deal with Miami Dolphins. Now, again, not a ton of money, um, but he could help offset a guy like Bradley Pinion. So uh, that's sort of what's behind it. And if you if you talk to the Bucks, they're like, look, it's like, well, what if one of these guys hits it? You've only got him for one year. Well, their retort to that, well, let's say Shaq Barrett goes off. Okay, Shaq Barrett ends up with 10 sacks next year, and he's like one of their best edge rushers. And you're like, wow. Really like to have him for more than one year. Well, you got the option of re-signing him, as, as any team would. Um, but but if you lose him and he signs a big deal someplace else for ten or eight million dollars, then you could get potentially a compensatory pick for him, and that's not bad for having a player for one year and getting a draft pick back. So this is something that the Patriots have done for years. I think again the Ravens, I think, have done it. Uh, they've had fifty compensatory picks since '94. I think second is the Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys with 42 or thereabouts. Um, so the Bucks, faced with limited cap, salary cap space and the fact that now some of their their better players they can't retain and they're making it to free agency, that's going to enable them a chance to get some picks back. Isn't there a, a, another part of this too? That mm-hmm. you know Bruce Arians has come in here. He said this isn't a rebuild; it's a reload. Mm-hmm. And that he's he's trying to win now. This is not about winning three years from now. Right. That signing a bunch of guys to one-year deals means they're going to be hungry to get a bigger contract next year. Boy, that's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, it's a, it's sort of a prove-it deal. Um, they're all in, too. They have as much – you're right. They have as much invested in the short term as Bruce does. Um, they have to play and play at a high level right away. And there there is no learning curve for them either. And most of these guys – do have experience in the league. I mean, they've played three, four, five years. Obviously, that's why they're free agents to begin with. So these are not, you know, guys out of college. So and some of them got have experience with Bruce Arians as well. An awful lot of them do. Yeah, the ones we just mentioned. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know Buchanan, Buchanan for sure. Um, you know, Watford uh, mm-hmm. obviously played for the Cardinals. Some of these guys like Watford, um, Buchanan came two years into his time in Arizona, but like. Watford was somebody that they drafted the first year in 
not only was Bruce Arians there, but Jason Light was the vice president of player personnel. So a lot of these guys he brought into Arizona, so he's very familiar having scouted them, brought them into the NFL to begin with. So, you know, there there is sort of and, – and that's natural. You know, like it's – you know, when Lovey got here, what did he do? He signed a bunch of former Bears, right? Mm-hmm. When, you know, um, when Dirk Cutter came here, you saw a bunch of former Atlanta Falcons come here. You know, so – that's what coaches do, and they do it. You know, look what Detroit's doing with all the expatriates going over to the Lions. You know, mm-hmm. to play there. So, well, it's, it's done for several of... reasons. It's done because they kind of already know some of the systems and what to expect. Sure. But when you have new coaches, they're trying to change a culture generally. Mm-hmm. Generally, a mm-hmm. losing culture, which is why there was a coaching change. That's right. So you want guys that are already bought in to the culture. That if you've played for Bruce before and you're willing to sign with him again, then you like playing for him. And you know what to expect. You know what he wants. And you can help show others the proper Bruce Arians way or name the coach who does that. Right. Right. Well, I mean, and in this case, it's not just Bruce. It's his entire staff. So mm-hmm. say, you know, if you're if you're Dewan Buchanan, you know, this is a whole new defense. And so you know Todd Bowles' defense. You know what that what that money linebacker, what that money backer position is. You know every spot on the field and what how he likes to call games, what he's about. Um, you can help guys anticipate uh, sort of how to communicate with Todd Bowles, um, what's the best way to learn the new system, all of that. What's the language that they speak in it? Um, so, yeah, it's, it, is, it is sort of helpful to have some players who have been in your system because you don't want to teach everybody. You know, these – I mean – it's kind of like a lot of times it's like learning. I mean, it's football. Football is football. There's not a ton of difference, you know. Like if you stand a guy up on the edge or or you don't, you know, it's still a four three. You just call it something different. But um, but at the end of the day, it's good to have other people that can interpret. You know, if you go to another country, you could probably speak a little bit of Spanish. But if you had somebody there that spoke spoke it fluently, it could certainly help you communicate, right? So that's sort of the way it is in football, and and I think. These are these are smart, productive guys. You know, Buchanan was extremely productive in the system under Bowles, and then they switched coaches, obviously, and he wasn't as productive. But he knows how to use him in this system. When teams go to three wide receivers, he's going to come in um, almost like Andrew Adams did last year. But they take a linebacker on the field, they bring him down. He'll cover, a, 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 you know, maybe a running back in a flat, a tight end over the middle or, you know, uh, pick up somebody in the slot. So his coverage ability, he's a lighter guy. He's 222 now. He's going to play about 215. So he's a smallish linebacker, and he considers himself a linebacker. He's really a safety um, because of his coverage skills. So these are all these are all things that, you know, that they can help um, sort of install because the install is going to be the biggest part. They're going to have an extra mini camp and all that. Um, but the one-year deals, that's a great point because I, I really didn't think about that, that, like, you know, just like Bruce is about next season, every one of these guys will be fighting for their, you know, their absolute NFL lives. I mean, look, in the case of of Perriman, he was going to resign with the Browns until they made the big trade for Odell Beckham. So they liked what they saw in him, but he was almost out of the NFL. He was one of these, you know, first-round busts because he couldn't stay healthy. Uh, I think he's had some trouble catching the football. This could be an absolute terrible signing. You know, he may never, you know, Justin Watson may be their number three, and this guy might might not even make the ball club. Um, but it's still a guy that has one, one, you know, asset that they don't have, which is burning speed. Somebody who can take the top off a of defense. He makes big plays in the passing game. I think he averaged over 18 yards a catch just in the brief time he was with the Browns from October to the end of the season. So um, he's done it before. 
if he stays healthy, he could, if he he could do it potentially again with Jameis Winston. He's excited about playing for him. We'll probably play um, some of these you know interviews uh, during the week so you can get a chance to uh, to listen to Perriman and Buchanan and some of those guys. And I'm sure we'll meet more of them as they come in. But um, that's the reason for the one year deals. I get a lot of questions uh, you know on Twitter. We're glad that you guys interact with us that way. You can always reach me uh, at NFL Stroud also at Sports Day TB. And um, you know typically we do a mailbag once a week. Um, but you don't have to wait for that uh, if you got questions about it. But the one-year deals were, were getting noticed, and you know I think again that uh, they are up against the cap. This is not unexpected. Um, I know they're getting wrapped for their you know for their off season right now. But when you're paying your quarterback twenty million dollars, and when your wide receiver makes twenty million dollars, and you re-signed you know Donovan Smith, I mean the way I looked at it, and I wrote a column about it uh, in Sunday's Tampa Bay uh, Times. You can see it on TampaBay.com. Is that um, you know, if let's say, for example, another team out there um, had free agency and they signed Jameis Winston, Donovan Smith, and Ali Marpet in one class, okay? Let's say that's who they got. That was their free agent class. You know, James, say it's the Miami Dolphins, right? They're trying to rebuild. Say they got Jameis Winston, Donovan Smith, and Ali Marpet. You know what they'd be saying in Miami? Wow, what a great class, okay? Well, that's what the Bucks have done with their free agent money. Those guys would have been free agents, all of them. They had a really good um, so, draft class four years ago. Yeah, and that and, and by far the best class that Jason Light has ever had, maybe will ever have. Um, and then it included Quan Alexander, and then Adam Humphreys, who was signed, you know, to a rookie on a rookie tryout camp, but nonetheless was part of 2015. I mean, look, it's not Sapp and Brooks, right, in the same draft class in '95, but you know, as my friend Greg Allman would say, it's clearly. Uh, and he wrote about this, you know, as I did. It's clearly the best one that Jason Light will ever have. I mean, I don't, I don't expect him to top that in any of the time that he's here. Now, we can all argue about Winston. He's about, you know, one bad season away from not being the Bucks' quarterback, right? Um, but nonetheless, it's still a guy that's, that's done some stuff in this league, you know, put up some numbers, isn't the worst guy uh, at under center. And a lot of teams would take him, you know, because look what the Dolphins had just done. <laughs> um so, I mean, you know, it's it, there again, this was not unexpected that they wouldn't have a lot of cap money, a lot of cap room. They could still create more. We've talked about Gerald McCoy. I mean, as we sit here today, um, you know, he's still on the books for 13 million next year. I assume he's coming back. Um, but I've heard conflicting stories from from over there at One Book Place. I really don't know uh, what to expect. We're a long way from, you know, July and training camp and a lot of things can happen. There's a draft that has to be held. You could see some teams that, um, you know, don't get the defensive alignment they want. Um, maybe the Bucks do get another defensive tackle. You just don't know how it's going to play out. And all of that is going to affect, you know, the Bucks. And the, there will be a secondary free agent period when once a draft happens and, you know, teams, you know, start to realize, well, I got a first-round pick at this position. I'm going to release this guy. I'm going to trade that guy. I mean, a lot of movement still is going to happen after that April draft. So, I think the Bucks want to at least be in position to take advantage of that, and we'll see who else they add. But for right now, a lot of one-year deals. I would expect a couple more. I still think that they probably are going to get another running back in here. I expect to see a safety at some point. I, I, I do. I, I keep, you know, most of the safety market has, uh, you know, has dried up. I mean, you still have guys like Eric Berry, but I think he's too expensive for them. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they got a guy that's played a little bit more. Um, you know, so they're, they're still, and they're searching for offensive linemen always. So they're still in this, you know, in this period where they could, uh, add some players. I think about like 
16 spots. You get 90 players in the offseason, the first 53 count against the cap. And uh, if my math is right, I think there's somewhere around 15 or 16. If you add the draft picks, and they're going to have about seven or eight of those, I think they got about 15 or 16 spots that they could sign players with. So still room to, uh, to grow with respect to the uh, – you know, respect to the roster. Speaking of uh, Ryan Fitzmagic, you see this, Steve? Uh, he's headed to the Miami Dolphins. How about that? And uh, presumably, he will be the starter now as the Dolphins uh, pretty much tank for Tua. I would think like you could go much worse if you're trying to tank for Tua. You think? I mean, he did. What he started two and zero last season, throwing for four hundred yards a game. He was two and six overall, buddy. He was. <laughs> And it's not a good football team down there in Miami. They've lost no, quite a few it players. Isn't, but I would think you could you could have found a worse quarterback than. For, I'm not saying he's you know going to take him to the playoffs. You could, or look, anything, you, but. you're right. You could sign Mike Glennon, or you could sign somebody that's you know that hasn't been a starter. I mean, this guy. There's no lottery is, in the NFL. You're not trying to just you know hope for ping pong balls. You need the worst record if you want the top pick. Yeah, but doesn't this feel a lot like Josh McCown to you? When the, with what Lovey did. I mean, I don't yeah. think Lovey intended to go two and fourteen, but by God, when he got close, he knew how to get mm-hmm. home. <laughs> so, I mean, think about I mean, think about that division, right? I mean, the Patriots. No one can displace them. Um, hell, Fitzpatrick has played for every other team except the Patriots in the AFC East. Yeah. This is his eighth team, Steve, in sixteen years. Do you know that's an NFL record if he throws a pass from the Miami Dolphins? No, no player has ever thrown passes for eight different teams wow. in the NFL. I mean, he's out McCown'd McCown. And he's never made the playoffs, so the Miami's got that going for him. <laughs> well, that's my point. <laughs> if you want a quarterback that almost looks like he could be a guy, but... But the thing is, he usually, he usually does, you know, 6-10. and ten. He does enough. But that's not going to yeah, get you Tua. Well... I mean, granted, he can do the it. roster around him is probably going to be one of the well, worst yeah, he's I ever mean, had, so... I mean, he was 2-6 and six with this team, and, and they had one of the best offenses in the league, and he did throw for 400 yards... Three of those, or what was it? Yeah, three of the first four games, uh, and was player of the week in two of them. But but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, as my friend Stephen A would say, he was still two and six. You got to be ridiculous. You can't be serious. Four. What was he? Four and let's say he was two and two and one the year before. So that makes him. He was four and seven here. Yeah, that's you're right. That's not going to get you to. That's not going to get you to. But let's say this. Let's say I mean, would he be the would he not be the perfect bridge quarterback, though? Is he not the guy that starts the season and the Miami Dolphins are picking 13th and let's say yeah. two of the quarterbacks are gone, but they go for, you know, I don't know, the guy, the kid, Drew Locke at Missouri. At Missouri. Now, here's, here's what know? I do like about the Fitzpatrick side. They signed him for two years. Right. So he starts this year, and whoever you draft next year, either mm-hmm. he starts and, and they're learning from him, and I think there's value in that from him. Sure. Or he's going to be their backup, coaching them essentially in year two. Coaching if he that agrees rookie. to do that. Well, he signed a two-year deal. I guess you could always retire. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's his option. He probably would give them two years, I would imagine, because Fitz always find a way in the lineup. But um, but what I had heard from Fitz held true, um, and that is that he uh, would have been a backup in Tampa. They didn't want with Jameis looking over his shoulder, and it turns out he would have been looking over his shoulder at a starter. And he would have been a backup in Arizona, who had who has a job as a backup once they figure out who the hell their starter is, um, whether they're going to trade, you know, Rosen or draft, you know, Murray or whatever. Um, and then uh, that, but but other than that, he was either going to retire or be a starter somewhere. He was looking for a starting job. Well, guess what? He found a starting job. Unbelievably, the guy's 
36 years old, great guy. Everybody loves Fitz. Seventh round pick, you know, number 250 out of Harvard. I mean, all the, we know all those things. Plays it to the hilt, you know, the beard, uh, putting on the jewelry, all that. They're going to love him in Miami, but they're already writing columns down there saying, well, the tanking is officially begun. Like, this is not the quarterback you get unless you expect to lose and lose big. And I know what you're saying about he's, you know, he's done some things and he, you know, he did start out two and one last year, but he, he wasn't able to sustain it. And I think the Dolphins, by far, if you just look at their roster, have one of the worst, worst teams yeah. in the NFL. Oh, yeah. I mean, with the roster, I mean, you know, I don't know, you know, does Aaron Rodgers, how well does he do with that roster? As right. As bad as they're going right. to be. Exactly. So, yeah, he's going to, he's, it's not, he's not throwing to Mike Evans and OJ Howard and, you know, Chris Godwin and Adam Humphreys. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, maybe they'll run the ball a little bit better. Maybe they'll do some things. But he'll absolutely, um, like I said, he is a play on words, but David High wrote that, you know, he's the, he fits perfect in Miami because, um, they're they're convinced down there in South Florida that, and you know what? Maybe that's what they should be doing. Look, if you're if you have a chance to get you know one of the the few quarterbacks that'll be available next year uh, that most people think will will be great successes, and I'm talking about of course Clemson's quarterback and well, he's done another Tua. year. He's not till twenty. He's still got one more year. Yeah. You, you might have to wait. Yeah, you have to wait yeah. two. Next years year you've got Tua. You've got Jake Fromm from Georgia. You've got Jake Herbert Fromm is from the Oregon. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You got a loaded class next year. It's a better class next year than it was this year. Yes. Although you know that would be there could be two quarterbacks gone in the top six picks this year. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just the value of the position, right? But Correct. I think in general, people have more uh, of an upside for the class coming out. You, you might know, see some big trades next year for quarterbacks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Draft. Especially to get up to number one, depending on who's there. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I mean, that's uh, that's where they're headed. So. Congratulations to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Good guy. Enjoyed covering him. Um, you know, a little bit of a clubhouse lawyer. I mean, he he gets along with everybody, but don't make no mistake, like Ryan Fitzpatrick or Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick wants to play. He wants that Fitz magic, but he wants to play um more than he wants to be a mentor. I can tell you that right now. He can do either, uh, and or both, but he he definitely wants to be out there and, and this is a chance for him to do that. So I know he's probably pretty happy with the deal. So his career continues in Florida, and he doesn't have to move that far if, uh, uh, as he heads down to South Florida. So I was uh, at the Lightning game on Saturday. Steve, I'm telling you, um, I haven't been there a whole lot this year. I've been to a few games. This felt like a, an atmosphere, and you can, you can probably speak more to this. It did have an edge to it. There was a little bit of a playoff feel to this. It wasn't the playoffs, but there was a little – a little bit of a big game feel to this game. There absolutely was. I mean, this was the first time in 10 months that they faced off since the Capitals beat the Lightning at Amelie Arena in Game 7 last year. Mm-hmm. Shut them out 4 nothing. The Lightning were pumped up. The fans were. There was more red in the building than I was expecting. And I don't know if the, yeah. part of that was spring break. Pinellas County is just finishing spring break. Hillsborough County starting spring though. break. You want, to hear, you want to hear my theory? Sure. Here's my theory. And it's not a good one for Lightning fans because I know where these guys were sitting for the most part. Mm-hmm. Look, this was, this was a premium game. Yes, right? it was. This is, one of those, this is one of those games that if you went on the second – and I didn't do this, but I'm sure what I'm going to tell you is probably true. If you went on the secondary market and said, can I get tickets to the Caps game, they were going for a good, a good mm-hmm. amount. Absolutely. And, and, Coming and off a of Stanley because, Cup. Absolutely. Heck yeah, the world the world champs are in town, and it's the first time they played them all yeah. since Game Seven. So 
you know, if I'm one of these lightning ticket holders that, you know, whether it's the Bucks or the Lightning, people do this. They wait for a premium game and they go, you know what? I'll sit out the Washington game because I'll make back a third or a half mm-hmm. or whatever my season ticket costs for the year yep. in that one mm-hmm. game. Oh, that, that definitely happened. That had to be what they did. No, I'm yeah. going to guess in two weeks when the Capitals are back, there's less red in the building. And, and part of that being maybe some of the Capitals, I, I've talked to some of the Capitals folks, and, and it is spring break for some of the schools up in that area too. Where right. they may have people vacationing down here for the week. I, I know uh, I know a couple season ticket holders that I don't know if they sold their tickets, gave them away, whatever, but they're out of town for spring break right now. And we're yeah, not at the game. That. I don't I don't know what they did with their tickets. I haven't talked to them. I just know they're out of town. Mm-hmm. But there was more rent, but the, the atmosphere was fantastic. I know I'm talking to uh John Walton, the the radio play by play guy for the Capitals. Um you know, th- look, this was clearly the best two teams in the Eastern Conference. They are, aren't they? I, I've I mean, thought all along the they were the, the, the toughest challenge for the Lightning, but I thought Boston is up there too. Washington's better than Boston. You know what I? You know what I noticed? A couple things that I noticed about this is that, and look, when you're, you know, to be the best, you got to beat the best, and mm-hmm. until you know they're defending champions, and so somebody takes the cup at, literally out of their hands. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's that, but it's never the same team, right? There's always changes each year. We know that. Um, last year's Stanley Cup team, you know, a number of those players, maybe the majority are still there, but it's a whole new year. You still have to do it again. Everybody starts back at the down at the bottom of the mountain. But having said that, man, the Washington Capitals with Ovechkin and Holtby and all this, they have a presence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They just, they, they have, you know, they're in the arena. They make you feel them and you feel them right away. Uh, and it is, you know, there were moments in that game, like it was a great atmosphere. There were moments in that game you could hear a pin drop. And it wasn't because people weren't interested. Mm-mm. It was because of the tension. Yeah, they, yeah, they were so invested. Tension. They were so invested in it. Oh, yeah. Everybody was just like, it's like, no one's making a sound. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> this is weird. But it was because everybody was so into every possession, like every movement of the puck was critical in this game. And you could just feel... You know, it was big-time hockey, man. Well, and particularly in that second period when you talk about putting oh. it on a team, Washington put it on the Lightning. Oof. And the Lightning withstood it. They give, did. Give them a Barely. lot of credit. I mean, I think they were outshot, I think it was 25-6 to six that period. Not shots on goal, oh, but my. shots attempted. The Lightning attempted yeah. six shots the whole period. Not on net, attempted. Yeah. No, they put it on them. They they, they just attacked, and they, and they were physical, and they had, you know, the, the – I mean, the zone time was ridiculous. I don't, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, Lightning didn't get any shots off. Vasilevsky was big as he as he's been all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in- hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's big in that game. You know, even, you know, gives up three goals. But um, really, one of them was a bad bounce, I thought, off the back of the wall that Ovenchkin was able to take advantage of. You could actually um, say all three of their goals had some. Yeah, they were know, I mean, yeah. the, the first goal went off of Andre Palat. It was on the power yep. play. Um, the yep. pass went off there, and Ovechkin buried it. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. second one was off a stanchion. I mean, all three of their goals 
had something fluky go on in the play. I mean, it's Funky, part of the game, yeah. it's, but it's not yeah. – it wasn't like just they – a bad turnover it it or whatever right. else. Mm. It was, you know, going off someone's skate. It was going off the stanchion, the boards. Um, mm-hmm. All three of Washington's goals were. And, and right. look, give the Lightning credit. I mean, I thought the Lightning dominated the first and third periods. Oh, they came out flying. I mean, yeah. they were, they, you know, the 3-1 lead in the first period is not something you do to a Stanley Cup champion most times, right? No. And Alex, Alex Kalorn, of course, with a hat trick, we can talk about that. Um, but they were they were absolutely they came out with a purpose. You know, the Lightning came out with a purpose, and and they put it on them, and they they made their statement. But then, typical of a world champion, they didn't mm-hmm. blink. You nope. you just knew they were going to hang around. I mean, they came back, had that unbelievable second period, and you look up, and it's four to three, and you're you know you're fighting for your life. I mean, they went, took the lead four to two, obviously, but then it's four to three, and now they got it. You know, they got the man advantage. They take the goaltender off, and of course, a couple empty netters makes the score look lopsided. But it wasn't. It was a, no. it was a battle. And what I loved about, if you're a Lightning fan, here's what you love: they did not back down. You know, everybody's been talking about um, the physicality, right? And I think Cooper said it well after the game. You know, sometimes you have to be able to look the guys right in the eye, mm-hmm. you know, and say, "Okay, you want to play? Yeah, we can play with you now." And it, it's a it was a different game. It was a different game than they look. They were two and one against them last year, right? So the regular season mm-hmm. is not. It doesn't matter what you, they could win the next two down the stretch here. They got two more games with them, um, and they could win them both and go three and zero. Oh. Doesn't guarantee them a damn thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you that I'm with you. The Capitals are going to be in the finals. The Lightning are going to be in the finals, and it's going to be a hell of a series. From because... a pure hockey standpoint, that would be one hell of an Eastern Conference final. Oh, man. Now, I still think Pittsburgh still gives Washington problems. They always have, always will. And they got by them last True. year. But it doesn't True. mean they'll get by them this year. And one of the things that Washington is trying to do is finish first in the division. Because they don't want to play Pittsburgh in round one. No, that would be And, and right now, the, the Islanders on Sunday have now taken the lead over Washington. Mm. So they're tied, but they have the tiebreaker. At this point. So the Islanders are the one seed. Washington and Pittsburgh would face in round one. And that's one mm-hmm. thing Washington is desperately trying not to. And Washington's got a tough schedule because they got to play the Lightning two more times still. All right. And they're trying to finish ahead of the Islanders. So, um, you know, just goofy scheduling in that. But that's one of the things, you know, if Washington gets Pittsburgh in that first round, and it's mostly about the history and, and they know the teams know each other so well in that, that, you know, that could drain Washington or even knock Washington out. You know, that's that's the – the scenario they they're dreading, although Washington also doesn't want to place the Islanders in round one either. Because the worst scenario for them is Barry Trotz beats them in round one. <laughs> That's right. Who knows them better than Barry? And the Islanders um, are probably the most physical team in the East at this point. I mean, Barry has that team playing very good defense. Yeah. I believe they've given up the least amount of goals in the Eastern Conference, maybe in hockey. Wow. Um, they play very good defense, and they're very physical. Yeah. Well, what do you think of this? Because, you know, the Lightning, if for, for, for the longest time, you know, it was like, just get to the end of the season, just get to the mm-hmm. end of the season. You wondered how they would react, whether, you know, they're now sitting here, what, two points out of the President's Cup, still chasing the the great Detroit team and all that. Um, but you wondered what, what really was there to play for, right? Well, guess what? They've got some meaningful games. I think the fact that they had these, they have these three games with Washington. Well, not only that, but actually, Boston comes to town. Yeah, it helps them. Oh, I think it helps them. Absolutely. You still have a game with Toronto in Toronto. You stay sharp. You yeah. stay razor sharp. You it's kind of a it's kind of a pre uh playoff, if you will. I mean, these are the teams you're gonna have to face and beat, most likely. Um Well, here's so, something we haven't said. Tonight's game against the Coyotes is, is important. The Coyotes are it, sitting in the second it, wild card in the West. 
It is for the Coyotes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, but I mean, they're 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 a much better team than what the Lightning are used to to seeing right. from from Arizona. And, and you know, and granted, the Lightning got waxed out there seven to one, and that was the end of a five game road trip. Hedman Pollock got hurt the night before in Vegas on a back to back. Sure, um, and and they just that was the scheduled loss that Louis Domingue got lit up on that. You know, that happens during a season. So hopefully the Lightning want to avenge that too. But, you know, Arizona's coming in hungry. And this, this is kind of a trap game for them tonight because they get Washington on the road Wednesday. So you're playing Washington right. two out of three games. And that's going to be a different game altogether because of where it's played, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that they, they're coming off the 6-3 to three win. Hey, let me ask you this. What, what, did, you, what did you think? Uh, was it Gerard that scored late on the empty netter? Who was it that scored the late goal um, with like 1.3 seconds left? That was Yanni Gordon. Yanni Gord, okay. Yeah. Um, so Yanni Gord scores with 1.3 seconds left. Is was that necessary, or is that that was a little salt in the wound there? And I saw I saw Oshie saying something to him in the face faceoff circle after that. Is that one that they file away and remember? I, I'm sure I'm sure they'll use it for motivation. I mean, I'm always one that says if you don't want them to score it, stop them. How about <laughs> how about any of your players try to go back and get the puck? Because none of them true. moved. Maybe, maybe there was one half-heartedly skating down the ice. The, the rest of the other four stood there. Right. Actually, the other five, because they had an empty net. But could they be thinking, he's not going to shoot that? Yeah, maybe. But I, you know, I think for the Lightning, it was just it was making a statement as well. Mm-hmm. And, and will Washington file that away? Probably. I mean, there was already a lot of chippiness in this game. Oh, my What's God. one more thing yeah. to file away at this point? Right. Well, I mean, they got, look, if these two teams need to be motivated to play each other, there's a problem anyway. I mean, they yeah. obviously faced off in what was a, an epic uh, Eastern Conference final, and, and Washington got the best of them. And, you know, like I said, the, you know, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who wins this regular season series, but but I, but I it it may not – it counts. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. may not matter, but it counts. It's like it, – it's uh, – no, this is the team that knocked you out, and you are proving that you're you can handle a heavy team. They've handled heavy teams all year. Um, some of the some of the new players, you know, Chernak or whoever, they make them a different team. You mm-hmm. know, they they're not they're, they're, they they laid out some people. You know, and uh, Matthew Joseph got, was laying a bunch of hits. I mean, he you know. sure was, and they got their bad boy in trouble. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they they didn't back down. So. Um, it was really good to see just the style of play and the fact that they, they took the fight to them. And, um, you know, obviously it's good to score goals after being, you know, shut out the last two times they played. Uh, and the depth, you know, Alex Kalorn getting a, getting a hat trick. I mean, how about that goal he made hat-trick? on the breakaway? Oh, what a play. Just shoved the guy out of the way, shoots it, gets moved the rebound, him, and got then... the rebound, and then had the, the, you know, the ability to, to, you know, sort of sweep it around the goaltender there. Um, that was beautiful. That was a beautiful goal. That's a man's so goal. For him, yeah, oh, yeah. And, and for him to get a hat trick, who saw that? But you know what that reminds you? They have so much depth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like any line can, can produce this. You know, you don't go into it thinking, you know who the star of the game is going to be? Alex Kalorn. He's yep. going to score all the goals. Like you just, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, fir- um, the first goal was kind of a fluky one where, you know, he shot at the net and went off the uh, – the Capitals player to oh, the net. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, yeah. as, as we've often said, when you shoot the puck, you never know what's going to happen. Good things happen. That's right. That's right. So um, that was good to see. So, yeah, they're just – I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a neat night. It was great atmosphere. I was glad I was there. The girls had a good time. Everybody, you know, they were scoring a lot. Everybody's going nuts. And, uh, and it was – you know, there were a lot of Capital fans that went home unhappy, but that, that was even 
Um, probably good for Lightning fan to see yeah, that. And but, the uh, Lightning, by the way, set a franchise record for wins and points in a season. 55 wins, mm-hmm. 114 points. Besting last right. season's 54 and 113. Wow. And you got 10 games to go. That's amazing. Yep. But only three home games left. <laughs> Tonight against Arizona, <laughs> next Monday against Boston, and then the Capitals a uh, week from Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's almost done, man. The the season, the regular season anyway, now the the one that really matters is uh is fast approaching. But as my as my uh youngest my oldest daughter said at church today to somebody I won't name, uh, yeah, they're really good. We love the game, it was exciting. But if they don't win the Stanley Cup, John Cooper's getting fired. <laughs> where did you hear this? Are you listening to the podcast? What's where did that from the mouth of babes? It like shocked this woman. How about, how about like, this? How about this could this could be two years in a row that a team wins the Stanley Cup and the coach leaves, and maybe by his own. I mean, That's, he didn't well, have a contract. Well, yeah, right? I, so, I you mean, know, I don't know if it's the Lightning I haven't signed him yet, or Cooper doesn't want to sign, or it's mutual. But Barry Trotz left last season after winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah, you John Cooper could do the same thing this year. Listen, if I'm John Cooper, I feel good. I feel pretty good about my future. You know, because if I win a Stanley Cup, I've got all the leverage in the world, mm-hmm. no matter where I go. And if I lose, I got all the leverage world, <laughs> no matter where I go, <laughs> because who's not going to want this guy to coach their hockey team, right? Well, and I, I, mean, I think the nice Lightning feel pretty it. good too. And, and you know, look, Cooper will have a job whether it's here or anywhere else. Sure, he will. But you know, the consensus kind of is the Lightning's next coach is sitting at Syracuse, and Benoit grew. That's right. So if Cooper leaves, or you decide to to move on from him, depending on how the playoffs go. Mm-hmm. You probably already have your next coach who knows a lot of these players already, has coached a lot of them. Jeff Halperin, who's an assistant on the team this year, who's really helped with the face-offs and some of the special teams, he was an assistant under Benoit Grew the last couple seasons in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's almost a natural, you know, if you decide to move on, you've got your guy in-house, which is what most people believe will happen if that happens. Yeah, it's. I mean, look, there's a lot to be decided, and, uh, it's going to be an exciting, at least there's some really good games down the stretch to watch. But that one, that one I really enjoyed. So we also had uh, March Madness now is upon us. The uh, tournaments are over. The ball is tossed. We're getting ready for the big uh, Are we big breaking game. down all 67 games tonight? We're not going to do it tonight. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll, I will give you my bracket of all the winners uh, in the East region coming up tomorrow. Now, I... I Look, I, are you a bracket guy? Or are you one? Are you one of those guys that fill? I mean, everybody fills one out. I always, right? I, mean, I always fill one out. I mean, you know, just to yeah. see how bad I do by the end. Well, here's what I've. You know, depending on how you score that thing, um, if you're just looking for the winners, I think college. Tell me, I'm wrong about this. Even though there's probably a little more parity in college basketball than there is in football, it's pretty close to what football has become. It's Duke, North Carolina. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. your top seeds, first of all, your, your Big Ten uh, conference, man, they got no respect. Um, I, I got, you Duke- know, look, I, I think, I think if, you, if, you, if you watch the games, Virginia, Duke, and North Carolina are probably the three best teams in the country. But Gonzaga could not have necessarily been the number but, one but seed, right? But North Carolina doesn't win their conference regular season or their conference tournament. That's right. And, and they get a one seed when Michigan State – doesn't? Yeah, see, I, I, I think you, that didn't make sense to me. Michigan State should be a one, in my opinion. I don't care whether it's Carolina or, or, or uh, you know, I mean, hell, you know, even Gonzaga didn't win their conference tournament. Yeah. They lost to St. Mary's. So Exactly. I mean, Michigan State won the regular season and the, post, the Big Ten conference tournament. 
Right. And, and the, big, good the Big Ten is too, good this year. I mean, I, I you know, it is look, good. And like I said, if you, if you actually watch, the, the, probably those three teams are the best. But you know, doesn't resume matter somewhat in that case where you know North Carolina can be a two seed? I mean, you didn't win sure. either one. You didn't win either one. Sure, North Carolina could have easily been a two seed, and Michigan could have easily been a one. Not only that, but they screwed them this way. How about the fact that Michigan State is in the same bracket as Duke, the number one team in the yeah. country? Now, wouldn't it make more sense to see them in a national semifinal than it would be a, a, a you know region final? I mean, that's that doesn't that doesn't wash with me. You could still do Michigan State, you know, a solid and put them in yeah. a different region. And I don't know if the if the if the committee, you know, Michigan State's got a couple injuries. Um, they a gruesome injury today in the conference final, uh, not to oh, a yeah. star player, but uh, and they had uh, there's another player that's out for the season that got hurt a few weeks ago. You know, I don't know if, if that affected them, but if you watch Michigan State in, in the Big Ten tournament in, in the last few weeks, they're they're a Final Four quality team. I mean, they're more than capable of getting the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and and I for that reason I thought they were going to be. I mean, you got three ACC teams here. Um, you know that are that are top seeds. Mm-hmm. And Virginia, Virginia for the most of the year was the number one team in the country. So yeah. I'm not I'm not down on them per se. I mean, I think they you can make a good argument that um, that they deserve to be a one seed. No, they and won frankly, they won the ACC with, when you're competing against Duke and North Carolina and Florida State yeah. was really good. And you won that you won the regular season. Yeah, you were the one seed. I mean, you know, I've got no problem with that. Right, they I, lost to Florida State in the semifinals. Yeah, which and I don't have a huge know, problem with North Carolina being it, but. You got three of them there, and you didn't win either one of those. And you've got Michigan State, who won both of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't think North Carolina should get rewarded for that with a, with a one seed. They should be a two. How about your Cincinnati Bearcats winning? Oh, they were underseeded. They were underseeded at a seventh so. seed. Although they're the, a seven. The, the good the good thing is they get to stay close to home. They're going to play in Columbus, so right. just two hours up the road. So they'll have a big fan base there, but. And your Florida Gators, Mike White, does it again. He makes his way back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, they're ten seed, um, which uh, you know it was it was funny because if you watch the Selection Sunday show, they had these cameras set up, you know, as they do mm-hmm. uh, with all these teams. And Florida was literally the next to last team named in the whole brackets, <laughs> um, so they had to sweat it to the very end. Um, people don't give Mike White enough credit for what he's done. Taking over from Billy Donovan, not mm-hmm. easy, right? Oh no, absolutely and not. He's all he's done is make the tournament every single year. You know, mm-hmm. and there was some talk that maybe they wouldn't, but in an SEC um, that's better than it was a few years ago. Yeah, I mean yeah. Tennessee, Auburn, you know, Kentucky's always good year in and year out. I mean, this is a better. Well, how about LSU? How about LSU? LSU. Number yeah, two LSU. Seed. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I wonder if they're deserving of a two seed. Well, they're deserving of a two seed probably, but without their coach, I just don't see them going that far. Right. Yeah, that's a weird deal um, with that. So, Anyway, we'll talk more college basketball uh, certainly coming up uh, and uh, try to figure out who your your upsets are, if there are any. I just get the feeling this is going to be a chalk. You you know, no matter what happens during the, you know, the first and second rounds, eh. But when you get to, uh, when you get to the, you know, to the region finals and get to the Final Four, I think you're going to see Duke, North mm-hmm. Carolina. <laughs> I mean, I, I think college basketball is becoming, it's becoming, you know, Alabama and Clemson. Yep. I mean, I, I think I saw a, uh, a story today that said the 64-team tournament, there were 29 programs whose teams went to college football bowl games in this thing, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that, that shows you that uh, 
Uh, and again, you know, some of the lower seeded teams that aren't in big conferences, they get seeded low. They might win 28 games and they still get a tough, a tough seed and they still give the benefit of the doubt to the big, you know, the power five schools and regardless of what their record is. And so I don't know that it's a, uh, it's not a rigged system a little bit, but, um, but I still enjoy, I still enjoy March Madness um, probably more than I do, you know, some of the college football playoffs mm-hmm. right now. I still yep. think they got work to do on that side. Yep, and USF is in the CBI tournament, so they'll get some more uh, there you playing go. and practicing. They're going to host Stony Brook this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Always tough Stony Brook, yeah. trying to get that win number 20, which would be great. And another couple, uh, maybe another week or two of practice, which doesn't hurt your program either to keep playing. So you got a couple of big-name schools, and you got DePaul, who's you know known for basketball. Not as good lately, right. but West Virginia's in the CBI tournament this year. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we also had on Sunday, I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of the Players' Championship. It was really close. So there was about 12 guys that could have won it down the stretch. But Roy McIlroy, who had finished no worse than sixth this year in any tournament he entered, um, he was second in Mexico. He's been you know in the top five or six in every single one. He finally gets it done, and um, good to see Roy. You know, Roy McIlroy is a Hall of Fame golfer when you think about um, you know sort of what he's accomplished. I think this was like his 15th or 16th title he's got uh, I believe he has all four majors to his name if I'm not mistaken um, so I mean he's already in the Hall of Fame but he uh, he battled through it uh, and won by a stroke um, and so uh, the other news that was breaking over the weekend on golf is that uh, unfortunately and I thought he was going to play but no Tiger at Valspar he's not going to make uh, the Valspar that's disappointing so. but it's still a pretty good field uh, especially oh, when yeah, you get Dustin, Dustin Johnson, Johnson number one player in the world and absolutely it's still going to be a great tournament Absolutely. You just won't have quite that roar of the same crowds that you had last year. Yeah, but it'll be it'll be very very good, and everybody's looking forward to. It. And they do such a great job out there. Um, wasn't their fault they got moved from a date standpoint. I don't know if that would have affected Tiger or not. He's had been battling some injuries and things like that. But uh, anyway, he will not be back uh, to uh, to play in that. Um, wanted to wrap up with one final thing, and uh, if you get a chance to read this uh, column by John Romano in the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, it was pretty good. You know, over the weekend, Tony Clark, I don't know if you saw, uh, one of the guys from the players union, uh, was sort of pontificating or being critical of the race for, you know, giving Blake Snell what amounted to about a $5,000 raise for winning the Cy Young award. Um, you know, essentially he's still on, on his, um, you know, his rookie deal, if you will, uh, and they have complete control of him, but they, they had the ability, you know, there's, there's no limit to what you can give a guy a bonus. You know, like you win the Cy Young, we, you know, we know what we thought we'd give you a hundred thousand um, dollars just for doing that. And everybody says, well, and this was John Romano's point in the column. If you have a chance to read it on TampaBay.com, is like, you know, um, that would set a precedent. And you know, a small market team, uh, you don't want to have you know the stampede to the general manager's office asking for raises. But you know what? You could draw the line at okay. You win a batting title, or you win the most valuable player, or a Cy Young. We'll be happy to give you a hundred thousand too, and a little bit of money would, in, in the grand scheme of thing, whatever their payroll is thirty, forty million dollars, is not going to to break the bank, right? It wouldn't. It would have been a sign of goodwill. It would have been something that um, probably would have bought them for very little money. Um, you know, a good feeling among some of their players. Uh, because they already have the reputation of being stingy and cheap. But what, what John, uh, as he's always got a surprise and sort of what his take is, and he makes some really good points, is that basically, you know what, people should celebrate, especially here, what the Rays are able to do with such little resources. You know what I mean? Um, they've got 
I think they're one of the top five winningest teams or top ten winningest teams in baseball, um, you know, over the last decade or so, despite having just, you know, a fraction of the payrolls that the other teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox and those teams that have posted uh, the most wins over that time. So their genius, and they get wrapped for it all the time, is the fact that, uh, you know, that they are on top of it with, with the sabermetrics and, um, you know, sort of finding players that – um, maybe coming off injuries or different things like that, and and they win with them and they win consistently. Now they've had some, you know, they've had some down years too. But like just like last year, I mean, doing the whole opener thing and, and sort of the innovation that they brought to the game in order to stay competitive against these big market teams. That what people call cheapness should be celebrated because they they're not just you know it's not a matter of we don't pay players. It's that we find a way to win with the players we have that we can't afford because we can't. We can't match payrolls with these other markets. So, uh, but in the case of Blake Snell, what John's point is, you know what? You guys probably messed up there. You probably should have given him something uh, beyond what amounted to a five thousand dollars raise. Hey, Rick. One more thing before we wrap up this podcast. Did you see the shirt that some of the race pitchers were wearing over the weekend at spring training? I I do. I have a picture of it in front of me now. I want you to describe this. This is hilarious. So it's a it's a Campbell's soup can, except it's kind of in raised colors instead of the red. Mm-hmm. And it's got a uh, handheld opener kind of opening the top of it. And it says, openers are human, too. With the little raised logo. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very funny. Uh, and I guess that's uh, – who who were they? Were all the pl- well, pitchers Ryan Stanek wearing was wearing, wearing it, but there were, there were other ones wearing it. Kind of all the shade that a lot of players are throwing the Rays and the, the Rays players, Justin Verlander among others, saying, you know, the Rays players should say no to this and everything else, so. Uh, kind of, yeah. it's kind of good to see them all buying into it and having some fun with it too. Yeah, and hey, you know what? Maybe you can make some money off the T-shirts. Who knows? Yeah, but well, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, we've already seen. Did you see? You've seen the the uh, marketing commercial with uh, with uh, Stanek opening the windows and doing all this sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, at the ticket area, and you know, like they're open for business and yep. flipping the open card around. Um, so I thought that was genius too. So yeah, I mean, you know, have some fun with it. Everybody thinks that they're going to ruin baseball. I'm not sure that Mariano Rivera ruined baseball, but hey, um, you know he's in the Hall of Fame. So I guess I guess there was a time when closers were probably uh, talked about this way as well. But they're going to do it again. They're just not going to, you know, in their minds, they're not going to have to do it as much. Hopefully, if they don't have the injuries that they had a year ago. But um, I think they're they're pretty set at least with the three starters. And then uh, I guess they're going to they're going to split it up. They're not going to have back to back openers if they can avoid that. So that'll be interesting to see just how they how they manipulate it. So yeah, fun fun for uh, for the Rays and for Stanek to to kind of do that. And um, yeah, so the Rays uh, just have what one and a half uh, weeks or so before we're at uh, the start of uh, yeah, the regular days. season. I believe ten days on yeah, the twenty eighth will be away. opening day against the Astros. It's incredible. It's a tough schedule to start. I mean, they, they have the Astros for four, then Colorado comes to town. They're a playoff qual- or a contender. And then they go on mm-hmm. the road to San Francisco for starting a three-game trip on the West Coast. So that's um, not an easy you schedule to like- start. Granted, you're not getting Boston and New York for the first ten games like you had last year. So hopefully you get off to a better start than you did. Yeah, better than three and twelve would be four and twelve would be nice, that's for sure. Uh, they don't want to do that. It seems like they always have a West Coast trip early on uh, in that. So We've got that. We've got uh, the NFL owners' meetings are going to uh, commence uh, a week from uh, well, be next Sunday. As a matter of fact, I'll be headed out to Arizona, have a chance to talk to um, the coaches, and of course, uh, the one time a year sit down with Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer. We got a lot to talk about uh, about you know 
the change into Bruce Arians and Jason Light and just what their expectations are for Jameis Winston in his fifth and final, perhaps final season as their quarterback on his rookie deal. So you want to make sure you're on hand for that. Uh, again, tonight, the Tampa Bay Lightning take on the Arizona Coyotes in what's going to be a big game for both teams, really. Uh, see if they can build on that win that they just had, that emotional win they had over the Capitals over the weekend. And a so, win tonight, the Lightning would clinch the President's Trophy. Incredible. If Which they, if they the lose kiss, in overtime or a shootout, they would clinch a tie for the President's Trophy. It's the kiss of death, as you know, Steve. <laughs> Everybody's talking about it. Um, no one wanted them to win it, but by God, they're going to win it anyway. Um, it's funny because even at, like I'm at the arena, people are like, yeah, man, oh, God, they're going to – if they don't do well in the playoffs, if they don't do well in the playoffs, <laughs> let's just wait till they get to the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. I mean, how about enjoy the pretty, final ten games with the regular? Yeah, season? they're a pretty good team. I mean, it's not like you don't have to just assume because you know for years other teams have flamed out with the best record that they're going to, and maybe they will. It depends on how they play when they get there. But you know what? The the only thing that that would make me a little nervous would be if if they sustain a major injury between now and then. I mean, if you want to hold your breath. Hold your breath that, you know, the goaltender, the big cat, is okay. And, you know, Stamkos and Kucherov. And, I mean, there are some players that you know, play pretty big roles that you wouldn't want to lose before the playoffs. So um, if you want to be a little nervous, be nervous about these final ten games, not about what's going to happen afterwards. Because if they get there and they're healthy, I think they're going to have a really good look at it. I think they've proven they can do that. One more reminder, if you have a business and you'd like to sponsor a portion of this podcast, again, this podcast is growing by leaps and bounds all the time. We've got new ways that you can do that, lots of different uh, ways to sponsor. And so our advertisers are having great success. You will too. Here's what you do. Contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me at Twitter, FNFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Monday, everybody. 